We've all heard the phrase, you are what you eat. But are we now at a point where science is backing up that old saying? Welcome to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Hector Chapa, and here today to share the real science on how diet can impact cognitive function and mood is Dr. Kelly Moore. Dr. Moore is a naturopathic physician with her own practice called Presh Health in Washington. Dr. Moore, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great topic. It's a good subject because there's a lot of interest about this. So I'm really excited for it. So Dr. Moore, before we dive into the topic of how our diet can affect our mental processes, can you first tell us a little bit more about what a naturopathic physician does? Sure. In Washington state, we're actually licensed as primary care providers. And when I talk to prospective patients about the way that a naturopath like myself would typically approach a condition, I use the analogy of a pyramid of treatment options. And at the very top of the pyramid, you have surgery and medication, which of course come in very useful for certain conditions. And then at the bottom of the pyramid, we have lifestyle modifications. And I divide up that, the bottom of that pyramid into five pillars stress management, nourishment, movement, rest, and connection. And each of those has, you know, categories within them. And then between that part of the pyramid, that base uh, lifestyle piece and medicine, we have things like nutraceuticals. So things like magnesium, Mm -hmm. vitamin D, vitamin C, and then uh, botanicals and then hormones. So in my scope of practice, I can work pretty much through it all the way up to pharmaceuticals. Wherever I intervene, I'm also always making sure that we're taking care of those five pillars of health in some kind of way. Wow, I really like that. It's the first time I've heard about those five pillars put in that perspective. And as we do so much education on the physical health and training on pathophysiology, I have to be honest, I agree with you that this issue of behavioral health and just lifestyle modification is is highly important. Well, one of those behavioral modifications that we can do, of course, is our diet. Now, multiple studies have found a correlation between a high diet that's high in refined sugars that it impairs brain function, along with a worsening of symptoms of mood disorders like depression. So can you explain this relationship between what we eat and how we feel mentally? Yeah, so there's a few different mechanisms that connect what we eat with our mental health and our cognition. So first of all, just simple things like you said, you are what you eat. Like we literally make our neurotransmitters from the food we eat, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, having those ingredients is important for mental health. And then things like blood sugar regulation, which I think we're all pretty familiar with in terms of how it can impact mood. And then there's things like inflammation, which is a superpower. It's it's a great thing to be able to have to protect us from illness and also to help us heal. But when it persists chronically, then we do have evidence for it impacting our neurological function. And that is, you know, inflammation is very much impacted by diet in a couple of different ways. We we can consume a lot of pro-inflammatory foods, and then we can Mm. also be deficient in nutrients that help us reduce inflammation and process endogenous and exogenous toxins. So Dr. Moore, specifically, which foods should we avoid? 
Right. So when you're talking about foods to avoid for optimal mental and physical health, the first thing on the list is sugar, added sugar, and then even more processed forms of sweeteners, um, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. Those are all pro-inflammatory and they also mess with our blood sugar regulation. So that's the first thing on the list. And then we have, you know, other foods that are high in calories, but low in nutrient density. So you're basically wasting those calories because you're not using them to consume uh, nutrients. So those would be things, you know, the classic example would be something like French fries. Um, and then um, we have alcohol and caffeine also can impact uh, mental health. But really when I'm talking to patients about optimal diet. I don't like to get super specific. I like people to have as broad of a diet as possible, but within that to be eating foods in their wholest form possible and steering away from highly processed food, or, you know, some, some physicians refer to them as food-like substances. They don't even count them as food because they're mm. not, they're not uh, nourishing. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Hector Chapa, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kelly Moore about the ways in which diet can impact our cognitive function. So, Dr. Moore, we focus on specific types of food and diet as it relates to our cognitive function and mood. But what about these caffeinated beverages that you just spoke about? We hear a lot of data on the potential benefits of caffeine in coffee, for example, when taken in moderation. So is caffeine a friend or foe as it relates to our mental well-being? It's, it's very individualized and it does depend on quantity. So mm. as you mentioned, especially coffee can be a source of antioxidants. And in a lot of people's diets, it's one of the higher sources of antioxidants. So it certainly does have benefits, but it depends on how quickly your body can process that caffeine. And it also depends on how much you're having. Unless my patients are really struggling with stress or anxiety or some other hormonal imbalance, I typically don't tell them to completely avoid caffeine, but I will also remind them that caffeine can be a vehicle for sugar and excess mm. dairy. And when taken past sort of 2 p.m., it can be problematic for sleep. So that's kind of the balance I like to strike. I don't like to be really restrictive with my patients. And I talk a lot more about what to include in the diet versus what to exclude. But certainly caffeine, it has its uh, light side and dark side, like most things in life. Before I leave, I do want to touch one more issue here because you mentioned sugars. Now, are all sugars bad? Or what about this, you know, the brown sugars or the, quote, you know, more natural sugars? Is there such a thing? Because I know some of the listeners will have that question because I do. Are you saying cut out all sugars completely? Because that's kind of a miserable life. So, well, help us help us find this balance here. Yeah, yeah. I'm always looking to strike a balance. And so if you think about any food, there's nothing in life is all good or all bad, right? Everything, mm. you know, has that possibility to be good or bad. So, you know, sugar can bring a lot of joy, like you said, and there's a lot of aspect to food and nourishment that is not nutritional, that is cultural and um, experiential. Mm. So I don't like to take that away from people completely, but there is a spectrum of more to less healthy forms of sweetener. And so at the very at bottom of that spectrum and food-like substances that I really encourage people to avoid are high fructose corn syrup and corn 
corn syrup. Mm. So steering clear of those, you can still get a sweet treat with sugar. As you sort of work up that scale, you get things that are even less refined. So whenever you're thinking about the nutritional value of a food, you're always thinking about how much is it processed. So brown sugar is less processed than white sugar. A sugar cane is less processed than brown sugar. And so you get, you, you move along that scale and then you can also look at things like the glycemic index of a, of a sweetener. Mm. So um, the coconut sugar will have a lower glycemic index than um, something like cane sugar. And then you even have things like dates or dried fruits that we tend to think of as a health food, but that can have a lot of sugar and can be problematic for people who struggle with blood sugar regulation. So when I'm talking to people who do have elevated fasting glucose, elevated fasting insulin, elevated lipids, they're struggling with metabolic health, I remind them that, that fruit can be viewed more as a treat or a dessert, especially fruits mm. that um, are not berries. Berries I've put into the category of okay for most people most of the time, but foods like apples or bananas or things with a very high sort of surface area to volume ratio, those are going to have fewer nutrients and more sugar. So I, I remind people to see this as a treat and then to also eat them when they do eat them with fat and protein, because that will help slow down the breakdown of, of the sugar that's in that. Well, so for, for example, my, my children, uh, which are, are teenagers now, but they'll, they'll do uh, the banana with peanut butter. So that's a good idea then. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Wow, that, that's that's really interesting. So now that we've covered a lot of ground today, Dr. Moore, before we wrap up, can you give us some high-yield takeaway points regarding our diet, specifically as it relates to our mental health? Yeah, so one um, one tool I wanted to share is the, the modified Mediterranean diet that was used in the SMILES trial, which was one of the first, I think it was the first randomized controlled t- trial that showed uh, the impact of diet on mental health. We're very familiar with the Mediterranean diet for cardiovascular health. And this study shows the benefit for mental health and, as well. And that's a resource that you can look up as a provider, just look for the um, modified Mediterranean diet food pyramid. And it breaks down food categories into what is recommended daily and what is recommended weekly. And it's pretty similar to a typical Mediterranean diet, but it does include lean red meat because lean red meat is high in minerals like zinc and certain B vitamins that are really important for mental health. And then another tool that can be really useful for clinicians is something called the antidepressant food scale. And this was designed by um, a couple leaders in neuropsychiatry, specifically Dr. Drew Ramsey and his colleague. And what they did was they looked for all the nutrients that have evidence for being important for mental health. And then they looked for foods that have high quantities of those nutrients. And so these are foods that you can encourage patients to include in their diet. But just zooming out from a really broad perspective when I'm advising patients on diet, I talk about aiming for three servings of protein the size of the palm of your hand per day, aiming for about seven servings of veggies, serving as half a cup cooked or a cup raw, and then I'm full of nuts, a tablespoon of olive oil, and depending on the person, we may add in certain quantities of grains or legumes or meat, but that's how I start advising people on their diet. And honestly, Dr. Chapa, a lot, you know, a lot of people are starting from a place in their diet that's very far from the recommendation, right? And so I like to, you know, really teach people as a first step to look at their plate 
look at the food on their plate and notice what colors are on it. And if it's all brown or yellow, then add a handful of spinach or add a handful of blueberries because those two foods go with almost anything. And color is where we're getting a lot of these nutrients that are really important for mental health, especially leafy greens. We also talk about, you know, trying to eat a rainbow of food um, Mm. every day, but, but really, you know, for a lot of people, just adding color to their plate, is going to be a really important first step. I mean, such an, a basic thing that we take honestly for granted every day, every one of us, especially I think in this country as Americans, just this diet, just we have food always around us, but it's such an important factor in really not just our physical health, but our mental health, as you have said, Dr. Moore. So those are certainly some great points for us to take with us today. So I want to thank my guest, Dr. Kelly Moore, for sharing the science on how diet can impact our cognitive function and mood. Dr. Moore, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Hector Chapa. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit reachmd.com slash clinician's roundtable, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.